Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, it's Mike again. It's nothing but the truth. One minute, Jerry, to find it. I found the word of God. It looks like I'm finding it also in this book called uh, Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great by Edward Hendry. And uh, had a nice, pleasant, well, I think a nice conversation with the brother in Christ there earlier this night of uh, Jonathan Mack. Timmies or Timmies? I can never say his name. I'm never going to be able to say his name right. I just call him Mac. But anyways, um, that was great. And uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, and his last name is M-A-C-H-T-E-M-E-S, is the Jonathan McTimmies. To me, I can't say it still. Anyways, it's his name, and he has got some very thought-provoking and uh, good stuff on the uh, on YouTube. And um, God has given him the ability and the gift of to communicate and articulate his. Uh, positions and his point of view in a very clear, concise way. So I recommend people listen to it. Now, you don't have to agree with everything that he says, but uh, I certainly don't expect anybody to agree with everything I say. That's for sure. Um, now, I was just thinking about, you know, saints. It's amazing that I, like, I'm a saint. It's because I believe in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the gift that he's given me. I'm not much of a saint. No, I'm not. But um, still, I'm saying. All praise and glory go to our God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to learn more about the Jesuits. Uh, and um, they're the. Uh, we're talking about the uh, Jesuits, a brand of South American communism is known as liberation theology. And if you look at, uh, supposedly, uh, they are there. responsible for the creation of uh, reduction camps in Central and South America, and even in North America, even in the state that I live in. Apparently, back in the day, 500 years ago, there were reduction camps even here. Not very much talked about that. They've done a very good job of whitewashing and memory holding our history. But we can look at this unholy alliance of uh, Rome and the Jewry, uh, Judaism, whatever it is, the synagogue of Satan and uh, and uh, 
the Roman Empire, the it's, uh, at least I think it is. It has to refer to in, just, in Revelation 13. So I, who knows? I know one thing. Um, <clears throat> seem to be causing a, a, an awful lot of awful lot of grief. But uh, I guess it's God's and he uses them to pass judgment on us, I guess. The Jesuits have a long and sordid history of distorting moral obligations and practicing and advocating situational ethics. For example, God commands without exception that, quote, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, end of quote. Exodus 20.16. The Jesuits, on the other hand, Permit the use of ambiguous terms to mislead a judge in outright lying under oath if a witness makes a mental reservation. The Jesuits teach that if a young girl is pregnant, she may be she may obtain an abortion if pregnancy would bring dishonor to her or a member of the clergy. And they do not stop there. Another Jesuit maximum states, quote, if a father yielding to temptation abuses a woman and she publicizes what has happened and because of it dishonors him, this same father can kill her to avoid disgrace, end quote. That is not the only cause that is just justification for murder. The Jesuits further teach that, quote, a monk or a priest is allowed to kill those who are ready to slander him or his community, end quote. Immorality is not quite to the Jesuit order only. The doctrines of the Catholic Church allow for all sorts of situational ethics. Thomas Aquinas the most influential source of economic and theological doctrines for the Catholic Church stated that it is lawful and not a sin for a man to steal another's property in order to fulfill a basic need. Aquinas' view was that all goods are community goods and therefore it is not a sin to take another's property when you need it. That is, in fact, the official position of the Roman Catholic Church today, as expressed by the Second Vatican Council. Quote, if one is an extreme necessity, he has the right to procure for himself what he needs out of the riches of others, end of quote. What is the authority for this ethic? It is found in the Talmud. And Baba Bartha, or Bathra, of 54b, it states, quote, The property of a heathen is on the same footing as desert land. Whoever first occupies it acquires ownership, end of quote. Compare that to the eighth commandment of God, thou shalt not steal, end of quote, Exodus 20, 15, 
Further in Baba Kama, Kama, yeah, 113b, it states that if one finds lost property, it must be returned if the owner is a Jew. However, if the owner is a Gentile, it can be kept. Quote, it is for your brother that you make restoration, but you need not make restoration to a heathen, end of quote. The Jesuits are zealous prosecutors of Christians or anyone whom they view as an enemy of the Vatican. The Jesuits take a solemn oath to destroy Protestant Christians and destroy any government that offers protection to Protestant Christians. They are the natural enemies of liberty. Their whole system is based on thoughtless, ruthless, blind obedience. Ignatius himself, writing to his Jesuits in Portugal, said, quote, we must see black as white if the church says so, end quote. Jesuits are the subversive ambassadors of the Catholic Church, bringing chaos and ruin to all nations they infiltrate. They believe that the, quote, the Catholic Church has the right and duty to kill heretics because it is by fire and sword that heresy can be extirpated. Repentance cannot be allowed to save them just as repentance is not allowed to save civil criminals. For the highest good of the church is the unity of the faith, and this cannot be preserved unless heretics are put to death, end of quote. Alberto Rivera, a former Jesuit priest, was saved by the grace of God and came out of the Jesuit priesthood. The Jesuits made numerous attempts to kill him before he could reveal the secrets of the Jesuits. He survived the attempts on his life and exposed much about the sinister methods and motives of the Jesuits. Uh, Franz Werns, with a Z at the end of it, so W-E-R-N-Z, a Jesuit general from 1906 to 1915, stated that, quote, the church can condemn heretics to death for any rights they have are only through our tolerance, and these rights are apparent, not real, end of quote. That view of the heretics having no rights is very similar to the philosophy of the Jewish Talmud. Sanhedrin 57b provides that if a heathen robs another or a Jew of property, or a Jew, the property must be returned. If, however, a Jew robs a heathen, the property does not have to be returned to the heathen. That section of the Talmud also states that if a heathen murders another heathen or a Jew, the heathen should suffer the death penalty. If, however, a Jew kills a heathen, quote, there is no death penalty, end quote. For example, Jewish rabbi uh, Mose Lever, Lievinger, Lievinger, so it's Mose, I think it's Mose Lievinger, so it's M-O-S-E-H, L 
E-V-I-N-G-E-R, was sentenced to a mere five months in jail by a Israeli court for the unprovoked cold-blooded murder in September 1988 of a Palestinian shopkeeper, Hossein Salah. Prior to entering prison, Rabbi uh, Livinger was feted a, at a party by Israeli Prime Minister Sham, Sham Herzog and Israeli Army General Yitzhak Mordecai, 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 or something like that, I don't know. Man, I can't ever pronounce these weird names. Why can't I just have very normal names? But it was Rabbi Leibinger was released from prison after only serving three months. Um, Baba Kama 838A expressly states that Canaanites are, quote, outside the protection of the civil law of Israel, end quote. Thus, a Canaanite has no remedy against a Jew whose ox whose ox gourds a Canaanite ox. But if a Canaanite's ox gourds a Jew's ox, the Canaanite must or shall pay in full the damages. And that's in the Bible. I remember reading that. It's really disturbing. Prof- Professor Israel Shehek explains, according to the Jewish religion, the murder of a Jew is a capital offense and one of the three most heinous sins. The other two being idolatry and adultery. Jewish religious courts and secular authorities are commanded to punish even beyond the limits of the ordinary administration of justice. Anyone guilty of murdering a Jew a Jew who indirectly causes the death of another Jew is, however, only guilty of what Talmudic law calls a sin against the law of heaven, to be punished by God rather than by man. When a victim is a Gentile, the position is quite different. A Jew who murders a Gentile is guilty only of a sin against the laws of heaven not punishable by a court. To cause indirectly the death of a Gentile is no sin at all. Thus, one of the two most important commentators on the Shohan Aruch explains that when it comes to a Gentile, one must not lift one's hand to harm him, but one may harm him indirectly. For instance, by removing a ladder after he had fallen into a crevice, there is no prohibition there because it was not done directly. He points out, however, that an act leading indirectly to a Gentile's death is forbidden if it may cause the spread of hostility towards Jews. A Gentile murderer who happens to be under Jewish jurisdiction, must be executed whether the victim was Jewish or not. However, if the victim was Gentile and murderer, and the murderer 
converts to Judaism, he is not punished. The animus by Jews towards Gentiles includes the prohibition against giving medical treatment to Gentiles. Israel Shahank explains, according to the Halakha, I guess that's pronounced, the duty uh, to save the life of a fellow Jew is paramount. It supersedes all other religious obligations and interdictions accepting only the prohibitions against the three most heinous sins of adultery, including incest, murder, and, and, and idolatry. As for Gentiles, the basic Talmudic principle is that their lives must not be saved, although it is also forbidden to murder them outright. The Talmud itself expresses this in the maximum Gentiles are neither to be lifted out of the well of a well nor hauled down into it. The Maimonides explains, quote, as for Gentiles with whom we are not at war, their death must not be caused, but it is forbidden to save them if they are at a point of death. If, for example, one of them is seen falling into the sea, he should not be rescued. For it is written, quote, Neither shall thou stand against the blood of thy fellow, end quote. But a Gentile is not thy fellow, end quote. In particular, a Jewish doctor must not treat a Gentile patient. Maimonides himself, an illustrious physician, is quite explicit on this. In, the other pas in another passage, he repeats the distinction between, quote, thy fellow, unquote, and a Gentile, and concludes, quote, and from this learn ye, that it is forbidden to heal a Gentile even for payment, end of quote. However, the refusal of a Jew, particularly a Jewish doctor, to save the life of a Gentile may, if it becomes known, antagonize powerful Gentiles and so put Jews in danger. Where such danger exists, the obligation to avert it supersedes the ban on helping the Gentile. A Maimo, uh, thus, Maimonides concludes, quote, but if you fear him and his hostility, cure him for payment, though you are forbidden, forbidden to do so without payment, end of quote. In fact, Maimonides himself was Saladin's personal physician, he insisted on demanding payment, presumably in order to make sure that the act is not one of human charity, but an unavoidable duty. It's, however, not absolute, for in another passage, he allows a Gentile whose hostility is feared to be treated, quote, even gratis, 
if it is unavoidable, end of quote. The whole doctrine, the ban on saving a Gentile's life and healing or healing him, and the super, the, 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 excuse me, and the suspension of this ban is case in cases where there is fear of hostility is repeated virtually verbatim by other major authorities, including the 14th century Arbaha Turin and Caro's Bit Yosef and Shohan Aruk, I guess, in Bet Abiet Yosef as quoting Maimonides, quote, and it is permissible to try out a drug on a heathen if this serves as a, pur- a purpose, end of quote. And this is repeated also by the famous R. Moses Israelis. Israelis, I guess. Israelis, something like this. It's I S S. E-R-L, yes. The consciousness of a Halukhic authorities is that uh, is that the term, quote, Gentiles, unquote, in the above doctrine refers to all non-Jews. The Jewish attitude towards non-Jews is the same attitude the crypto-Jewish Jesuits have towards Christians. Jesuit priests are subjected to certain, quote, spiritual exercises, end quote, which were first devised by Ignatius Loyola. During the principal exercises, the subject becomes possessed and controlled by a devil. We imbue into him spiritual forces, which he would find very difficult to eliminate later. Forces more lasting than all the best principles and doctrines. These forces can come up again to the surface sometimes after years of not even mentioning them and become so imperative that the will finds itself unable to oppose any obstacle and has to follow their irresistible impulses. Oh, dear Lord God, have mercy on us all. Between 1569 and 1605, the Jesuits orchestrated no less than 11 plots against Protestant England, which involved invasion, rebellion, and assassination. H is known by the leader of the treachery. Radolfi, Radolfi Sanders, Gregory the 13th, Champ. Champagne, Champion, uh, Parsons, Duke of Guise, Allen, Throg, Morton, uh, Perry, Babington, Sexus V, Philip II of Spain, York, Walpole, Southwell, and Guy Fawkes. In 1586, quote, uh, Babington plot, end of quote, the Jesuits, along with their Catholics, with other Catholics, planned to kill Protestant Queen Elizabeth I. 
and placed Catholic Mary Stuart, Queen of Scots, on the throne of England, and to bring England under subjection to the Pope of Rome. That plot was discovered, and Mary was executed for her troubles. After the failed Babington plot, the Pope, in league with Philip II of Spain, planned to invade England and bring it under papal control. In 1588, Spain brought the 136-ship Spanish Armada against England. The sovereign god of the universe whipped up a freak storm which devastated the armada and allowed England with only 30 ships to defeat Spain after an eight-hour sea battle. On November 5, 1805, Jesuit-led Roman Catholic conspirators planned to kill King James I and the entire English Parliament by blowing up the House of Lords. They placed 20 barrels of gunpowder under the House of Lords. The plan was to blow up the House of Lords when the Lords, Commons, and the King were all assembled on November 5th, 1605, for the opening of Parliament. The plot, however, was discovered and the conspirators were captured. To this day, that event is simply referred to as the, quote, gunpowder plot, end of quote. And November, November 5th is a national holiday in England commemorating the Catholic conspiracy in the gunpowder plot. The holiday is called Guy Fawkes Day. Guy Fawkes was one of the gunpowder plot conspirators. The Jesuits, the Jesuits' uh, subversion of nations has caused 56 countries to ban the Jesuits, most of whom have since left, lifted the ban. In 1759, the Jesuits were banned throughout the Portuguese Empire. In 1764, the Jesuits were outlawed in France. In 1767, they were banned from Spain. On April 6, 1762, the French Parliament issued the following, quote, statement of arrest, and the quote, indictment. Quote, I guess is the quote. Yeah, it looks like a quote. Or citation one, what's first, citation 183. The said institution, Jesuits, is inadmissible in any civil state as its nature is hostile to all spiritual and temporal authority. It seeks to introduce into the church and state, under the plausible veil of a religious institution, not an order truly desirous to spread evangelical perfection, but rather a political body working untiringly at usurping all authority by all kinds of indirect, secret, and devious means. The Jesuit doctrine is perverse, a destroyer of all religious and honest principles, insulting to Christian morals, 
pernicious to civil society, hostile to the rights of the nation, the royal power, and even the security of the sovereigns, of the sovereigns in obedience to their subjects, suitable to stir up the greatest disturbances in the states. Conceive and maintain the worst kind of corruption in man's heart. Let's get the citation. 183. All nations should learn from the experience on the porch the, the Protestant England and understand the threat that Rome and the Jesuits pose to any free country. The Roman Catholic Church uses religious superstition to usurp the authority and undermine independence of any state. King Henry III the eighth, excuse me, cast off the yoke of Rome and declared that he was to be the head of the Church of England. In May of 1538, the Pope sought his revenge for the separation of the Church of England from Rome. The Pope excommunicated all in Ireland who recognized the supremacy of the King of England or any ecclesiastical or civil power greater than that of the Roman Catholic Church. The events are recounted in the classic Fox's Book of Martyrs. Citation 184. A short time after this, the Pope sent over to Ireland, directed to the Archbishop of Armagh, and his clergy, or Armuth, I guess it could be Armuth and his clergy, a bowl of excommunication against all who had or should own the king's supremacy within the Irish nation, denouncing a curse on all of them and theirs who should not, within 40 days, acknowledge their confessors that they had done amiss in so doing. Archbishop Brown gave notice of a notice of this in a letter dated Dublin, May 1538, part of the form of confession or vow sent over to these Irish papists, ran as follows, quote, I do further declare him or her here, I guess it's supposed to be her father or mother, brother or sister, son or daughter, husband or wife, uncle or aunt, nephew or niece, kinsman or kinswoman, master or mistress, all others, nearest or dearest relations, friend or acquaintance whatsoever, accursed that either do or shall hold for the time to come any ecclesiastical or civil power above the authority of the mother church or that do or, or shall obey for the time to come any of her the mother of, church, of churches oppressor or enemies contrary to the same of which I have heard 
sworn unto, so God, the Blessed Virgin, St. Peter, St. Paul, and the Holy Evangelist, Evangelist, help me, end of quote, etc. In an exact agreement with the doctrines promulgated by the Council of Lateran and Consent. Constant, excuse me, Constance. Which expressly declare that no favor should be sworn to heretics, nor faith kept with them, that they ought to be excommunicated and condemned, and their estates confiscated, and the princes are obligated by solemn oath to root them out of their respective dominions. Once again, that was Citation 184. The political and religious attacks against Protestant England by Rome continued up to and beyond 1641. In 1641, the Beast of Rome planned a murderous insurrection in Ireland. The objective of the barbarous conspiracy was to murder all Protestants in Ireland, without exception. In this instance, as in many others, we find the Jesuits leading the murderous and maniacal, maniacal charge. The Jesuits placed their hellish and primator on the massacre by beginning it on the feast day of their founder, Ignatius Loyola. I wonder if that's September the 22nd, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, in that area. When the dust finally settled on the genocide, Rome had excommunicated 150,000 innocent men, women, and children. Insane. Absolutely and utterly insane. This massacre illustrates the danger of a Roman Catholic majority in any country. No matter who seems to control the political regime, when the lawful government is at odds with Rome, there will be held to pay. Rome is the master at mass insurrection through the incitation of base barbarians who have sold their soul to the superstition of the Roman cult. The Irish genocide was planned and orchestrated from the Vatican. It was executed through the leadership of the Jesuits and other priests of Rome. He who has eyes let him see through the pious facade of Rome. He who has understanding, let him understand the danger posed by Rome and the Jesuits. The Roman Catholic Church never changes. King Henry VIII's error is all too obvious, for there is only one head of God's Church, and that is Jesus Christ. The Pope was incensed at the insolence of King Henry. The Pope, however was not angry because the king blasphemy claimed the authority of Christ as the head of the church, but because the king had replaced him 
the supreme pontiff of Rome as the head of the church. The king of England was politically too strong for the Pope to do anything to change the situation in England, though he tried. Consequently, the monarch of England to this day is the head of the Church of England, known as the Anglican or Episcopal Church. Episcopal Church. I never know. Anyways, the Episcopal Church is one of the harlot daughters of the Roman Catholic mothers of harlots. See Revelation 17.5. For the most part, the leadership of the Episcopal Church are not Christian. They are rather a the provincial, the proverbial rejected pears growing in Christ's wheat field. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went he away. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And Jesus sent the multitude multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and he shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. 
and verses 36 through 43, uh, authorized version. Let us look at some of the tears in the Episcopal Church. In August of 2003, the House of Deputies for the Episcopal Church elected Jean Robinson to be the Bishop of New Hampshire. Jean Robinson left his wife and two daughters to live with another man in an openly sodomite relation. He publicly promotes and encourages the sodomite lifestyle. He founded the Concord, New Hampshire chapter of, quote, outright, end quote, which is a ministry promoting sodomy and, their, and whose website contains photos of group sex and other pornography. Robinson does not preach the gospel. He has rejected the gospel and instead preaches the sin of sodomy. These facts about Robinson were all known by the House of Deputies before they voted to appear, to see me, to approve Robinson as an Episcopal bishop. God has clearly stated that Robinson's lifestyle and the conduct he promotes is a sin. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Deuteronomy 23:17. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Leviticus 18:22. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are sent forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Jude 1.7, of the authorized version of the KGB Bible. In order for Robinson to be installed as a bishop, it was necessary for him to be confirmed by the Episcopal General Convention. Robinson later confirmed, was later confirmed by the General Convention in a vote of bishops, where 62 bishops voted to confirm Robinson and 43 against his confirmation. The confirmation of Robinson is not surprising when one considers the type of people who make up the leadership of the Episcopal Church. John Shelby Sponge retired as Episcopal Bishop of New Jersey. For his entire career in the Episcopal Church, quote, he wrote and preached against every tenet of the Christian faith. Bishop Sponge did not believe in the virgin birth, the doctrine of incarnation, the dignity of Christ, or excuse me, the deity of Christ, the resurrection, and the existence of God, end of quote. David Jenkins who was consecrated as a, the Bishop of Dur, Durham, Durham, I guess it's Durham, Durham, or Durham, which is the fourth highest post in the Episcopal Church, scorned the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ as, quote, a conjuring trick with 
bones in the globe. And that is also uh, uh, footnote 168. The Episcopal Church's theology is satanic. So it is no wonder there are such characters running it. Like the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church teaches the false salvation by works through the seven so-called sacraments of infant baptism, confirmation, penance, Eucharist, holy order, Mary, uh, martyr, matrimony, excuse me, not martyr, matrimony and unction. The Episcopal Church also teaches that during consecration, the bread and wine of communion is transubstantiated, transubstantiated into a actual into the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. The doctrine of transubstantiation is patent idolatry and blasphemy. The transformation of the Episcopal Church into a child of the great harlot of Babylon was accomplished by crypto-Jews and crypto-Catholics working within the Episcopal Church. Crypto-Jewish Popes. This is interesting, and I've learned potentially the the last six popes have actually been Jews. I think it's pretty obvious that um, Pope Francis, the Jesuit slash Jew, is one of them, that's for sure. Crypto-Jews have, over the years, gained such control over the Catholic ch- Roman Catholic Church that several have risen to the high office of the papacy. Yaakov Wise, a researcher in Orthodox Jewish history and philosophy, concluded that Pope John Paul II was Jewish. Jewish. Uh, you can see the uh, 187. What am I supposed to call that again? And notes. And notes. 187. His research into the maternal ancestry of Carl Joseph Wojtyla, Tyla, W-O-J-T-Y-L-A, so it's Carl, Carl Jose Jose Wojtyla, which is Pope, which we know as Pope. Uh, John Paul II's real name, revealed that the late Pope's mother and grandmother and great-grandmother were all Jewish and came from a small town not far from Kirkhelf. 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 Excuse me, not Kirkhelf. Kirkhelf. According to the modern-day Judaism, a person's Jewish identity is based upon the maternal line. According to Pope 
John Paul II's maternal line, he was a Jew. Once one accepts that Pope John Paul II was Jewish, it becomes easy to understand how he could have had a Jew, Jean-Marie Cardinal uh, Lustiger as his chief confidant. Jean, Jean, or Jean, uh, Jean Marie Cardinal Lustiger is atypical of the Jewish element of the Catholic Church, because rather than hide his Jewish ancestry, he openly admitted that he remained a Jew, even as a high official in the Catholic Church. On becoming the Archbishop of Paris, Lustiger said, quote, I was born Jewish and so I remain, even if that is unacceptable for many. For me, the vocation of Israel is bringing, bringing light to the goyim. That is my hope and I believe that Christianity is the means for achieving it, in the quote. What is significant is that his admission to remaining a Jew did not seem to hinder his advancement in the Catholic hierarchy. He later was promoted to the office of cardinal. Once one understands the Jewish nature of the Roman Catholic Church, it is understandable that it would have a Jewish pope with a Jew as his chief confidant. It is notable that for the most part, the major news outlets have not reported on the significant discovery that Pope John Paul II was Jewish. That is explained by the fact that Jews control the major media outlets and do not want to expose the fact of the ostensibly Gentile Roman church is in reality a Jewish religion front, religious front that is staffed from top to bottom by crypto-Jews. Isn't that interesting? And all this time I've been thinking that the Jews were the front for the papacy and for the Jesuits, but maybe it's the reverse. Maybe I was wrong about it. I've been wrong about a lot of other things. It is not hyperbole that the Jews control the major media outlets. John Whitley revealed in 2003 that, quote, seven Jewish Americans run the vast majority of the U.S. television networks the printed press, the Hollywood movie industry, the book publishing industry, the recording industry. He explains that most of these industries are bundled into huge media conglomerates, conglomerate, conglomerates. He listed the Jewish men and stated that, quote, those seven Jewish men collectively control and ABC, NBC, CBS, Turner Broadcasting Systems, CNN, 
MTV, Universe Studios, MC Records, uh, Giffen Records, DGC Records, GRP Records, Rising Tide Records, Curb slash Universal Records, and Interscope Records, end quote. Whitley's research, Whitley's research concluded that, quote, most of the larger independent newspapers are owned by Jewish interests as well. An example is the media mogul is Samuel, I guess an example is and I think it's supposed to be an example of a media mogul is Samuel I. Cy Newhouse. Huh who owns two dozen daily newspapers from Satin Island to Oregon, plus the Sunday Supplement Parade, the Condé Nash collection of magazines, including Vogue, The New Yorker, Vanity Affair, Allure, GQ, and Self. The publishing firms of Random House, Nuff, Crown, and Ballantine, or Ballantine, I guess, among other imprints and cable franchises with over one billion subscribers. And quote, Whitley concludes, or conclusions are a, as valid today as they were in 2003. Whitley explains why, quote. I could add that Michael Eisner could depart Disney tomorrow, but the company will remain in the hands of Shamrock Holdings, whose primary office or principal office is now located in Israel. The crypto Jews are prevalent or prevalent in both religion and politics. Quote, there are no doubt that many Americans who see Senator John Kerry as a quintessential waspish-looking politician with an Irish name will be shocked to learn that he actually he is actually what Joe Kotkin of the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles calls a Murano, end of quote, or a hidden closet Jew, end of quote. The Boston Globe hired a genealogist to check, check Carey's background. It was discovered that he, his paternal grandfather was a Hungarian Ashkenazi Jew. When the the story of Kerry's Jewish background came to light during the 2004 presidential campaign. Quote, John Kerry told the Boston Globe that he has known for 15 years that his paternal grandmother was Jewish, but that he had no information on his paternal grandfather's roots in the quote. His grandfather... Felix Kahn changed his name to Frederick A. Carey 
and not really converted to Roman Catholicism. Catholicism is the usual cover for crypto-Jews. Quote, the genealogists who conduct the study, Felix Gundecker, Gundecker, of the Institute for Historical Family Research in Vienna, Austria, told the paper he is 1,000% certain Carrie's grandfather was Jewish, end of quote. Carrie claimed prior ignorance of his paternal grandfather's Jewishness. However, as pointed out by Jewish reporter Barry Kamish, quote, Somehow he forgot the fact that his grandparents were prominent Jewish business people in Prague and that his father is 100% Jewish. Ask yourself, do you know anyone who doesn't know his father's religious background? End quote? It is unlikely that his grandfather simply jettisoned his Judaism. It is more likely that the conversion to Roman Catholicism was a front, and that John Kerry himself is a crypto-Jew. It is notable that Kerry found it necessary to conceal his Jewish roots, which was a deep secret, yet the fact that was he was a member of the Satanic Skull and Bones Society seemed to be a less well-kept secret. The Skull and Bones group has been identified by some researchers as the U.S. branch of the Illuminati. During the 2004 presidential campaign, Tim Russell, Russ, Russell, a, a NBC meet on. NBC Meet the Press asked George Bush about both he and John Kerry being members of Skull and Bones. Bush responded by saying, quote, it is so secret we can't talk about it, end of quote. When Russell had a Kerry on the show as a guest, he asked Kerry, what does the fact that both he and George Bush are members of Skull and Bones tell us? Kerry responded, by nervously saying, uh, not much, because it's a secret anymore. It is astounding that both candidates for president of the United States from the supposedly opposing major political parties are known to be members of the same secret organization, and they are only asked about that membership one time. On that occasion, they are each permitted to say nothing about it. The major media outlets did not follow up questioning or or investigation on the issue. Virtually all of the significant investigation of Skull and Bones has been done by independent, the, the independent media, who, of course, have no access to the candidates to ask tough questions about the nefarious secret society. It was interesting that Russell had the temerity to ask Carrie about Skull and Bones, but he stayed clear of asking Carrie about 
the concealment of his Jewish roots. Barry Kamish outs two more crypto Jews, former CFR Secretary of State Madeleine Albright also forgot that both her parents were Jews, even though she was raised in a Jewish home of her relatives in London. If you don't feel like voting for Kerry, there is Wesley Clark, Jewish, waiting in the wings. Uncannily, he is also an CFR member who only discovered his father was Jewish while he was burning Bosnia to ashes. What is the CFR to which what is the CFR to which Kamish refers? It is a front group to set up and control and controlled by the Jewish Illuminati. The Illuminati have used certain front organizations that they use to infiltrate and control governments, including in the US government. One group is called the Council on Foreign Foreign Relations, CFR. Admiral Chester Ward was a member of the CFR for 16 years. He resigned from the CFR when he realized that his goal was to disarm and surrender the United States to an all-powerful world government. Panay reveals that the crypto-Jewish phenomena spans the globe. In this case, the plane. The truth is the plane. The phenomenon of the crypto of crypto Judaism was not merely confined to the to, to the Christian world. One still finds in different parts of the Muslim sect world community of crypto Jews as. Cecil Roth observes, who records several examples of Jewish communities in which the Hebrews, who aren't really were Muslims, Muslimen, are in secret still Jews. This means that the Jews have also introduced a fifth column, end quote, into the bosom of the Islamic religion. This fact perhaps explains the many divisions and uproar which has occurred in the world of Muhammad, the Mohammedan. Ahu explains, quote, In other words, having infiltrated the Christian and Islamic worlds, the crypto-Jews were in a position of implement, to implement Protocol 17 of the Learned Elders of Zion. Wrote, throughout all of Europe and by means of relations with Europe and other continents also we must create a ferment a ferment create ferments, discords and hostility, there we gain a double advantage in the quote. Even when there is not direct evidence that a Pope is Jewish there is often evidence that he is an agent or fellow traveler with the Jewish hierarchy. For example, Angelo Ronsacoli, 
who later became Pope John the 23rd, was allegedly a member of the Pierre the Prior de Sion and related secret society Rosacrucians. According to the Roman Catholic publication, the Solid Elitium, in, in 1961, John the 23rd reinstated the Knights, Malta, Knights of Malta and rescinded the prohibition of Roman Catholic holding membership in Freemasonry. What is it, the significance of rescinding the prohibition against members of the of Freemasonry? Albert Pike, the theological pontiff of Freemasonry, wrote that, quote, it is certain that it is that its true pronunciation is not represented by the word Jehovah, and therefore that that is not the true name of the deity, nor the infallible word. God's word, however, states clearly that Jehovah is God's name. Quote that men may know that. Thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth. Psalms 83.18 If the Masons do not recognize Jehovah as God, who is their God? The God of Masons Masons is Lucifer, which was Satan's name before the rebellion against God and was cast out of heaven. Albert Pike said that, quote, the doctrine of Satanism is heresy, and the true and pure philosophical religion is the belief in Lucifer, the equal to Adonai, but Lucifer, God of light, God of good, is struggling for humanity against Adonai, and God of darkness and evil Adnai is the Old Testament Hebrew word for God. Pike not only acknowledges that Lucifer is the God of Freemasonry, but he also blasphemes God by calling God, quote, the God of darkness and evil, end of quote. The Holy Bible in Genesis 2.17 states that God forbade Adam from eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Pike blasphemes God again by referring to God as, quote, the demons, end of quote, who forbade Adam from eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Holy Bible states that God created Eve. Pike continues to blaspheme by calling God the demons, end of quote, who created Eve. Pike portrays the serpent, Satan, as the angel of light that induced Adam to transgress against the, quote, demons, end of quote, thus giving Adam, quote, the means of victory, end of quote. Pike calls the sin of Adam and Eve the means of victory over God, whereas God uses Adam's disobedience against him as the means of the fall of man which required God to come down to earth and redeem man. Man. 
Romans 5, 12 through 21. Christ has won the victory over Satan for all those who believe in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 58. 1 John 5, 4, Revelations 15, 2. While it is true that Satan can't transform himself into an angel of light, see 2 Corinthians 11:14, Pike points Pike's point in calling Satan a quote angel of light and quote was to distinguish him from God, whom he called the Prince of Darkness. End quotes. The doctrines of Freemasonry are influenced to a great extent by the Roman Catholic doctrine and history by Roman Catholic doctrine and history. In 1754, the first 25 degrees of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry were written by the Jesuits in the College of Jesuits in Claremont in Paris for the purpose of restoring, so let me say, the College of the Jesuits of Claremont in Paris, for the purpose of restoring the two power the Jesuit-controlled House of Stuart to the throne of England. There is a series of, disagree, of, of degrees in the Masonic York Rite hierarchy known as the Order of Knights Templar. The Knights Templar was an organization founded in 1118 A.D. The Templars received papal sanction as the Catholic Order. the Order of the Poor Knights of Christ. In 1128, and are recognized as the first Roman Catholic Crusaders, the Templars were known as the, quote, Militia of Christ, end of quote. The Jewish character of Catholic rites and Freemasonry cannot be under, understated. Albert Pike explains that the, this secret of Masonry and his doctrinal Bible of Freemasonry. Uh, Morals and Dogma. Quote, Masonry is a secret of for light that leads us directly back, as you see, to the Kabbalah, end of quote. Pike stated that the Templars, as with all secret societies, have two doctrines. One is for the public and the other is hidden from the public and is only revealed to those initiated into the secret society. Pike stated that, quote, thus they deceive, deceived the adversaries whom they sought to supplant, end of quote. That same strategy is being followed by today filed today with the public charitable activities of the Roman Catholic Church in the Masonic Order. Yet they are both working secretly towards world domination. I think we'll stop right there. Hmm. Good stuff. Thank you to Edward Henry, Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great.
tracking the beast from the synagogue to the Vatican. Excellent stuff. I need to go to bed. I gotta get up early in the morning and work on the chicken coop. <sighs> yep, gotta work on a chicken coop. Well, I've had some interesting interviews in the past uh, week. Um, by far the best was with my brother Larry Philp uh, last week. I think that was really nice. Uh, a response to uh, our brother in Christ, uh, Jonathan. Mechanis. I don't know how he said it. He's told me now for how many times I still can't remember. Anyways, uh, that was, he asked some really great questions. And although we disagree on some fundamental issues, I'm still brother in Christ, in my opinion. And I hope we stay, brothers in Christ. I'm looking forward to the next time I talk to to and listen to Jonathan. Jonathan is a, very good at communication. And then, you know, I had uh, Zimmerman there, Fritz Zimmerman, which uh, seems to me like he's a Freemason. I'm confused. I don't know how you can be a Christian slash Jew and be a follower of the... Uh, you know, the, the old church or the old anyways the old religion that's what it is it's usually code for being a Freemason so. and then uh, Nita Hilterman Hilkner which she's written some articles and um, seems like a nice lady and uh she's got chickens like I do and so we talk chickens, so chicken talk and gardening and all that kind of stuff. And you know, we talked about this whole thing about giants and and Indian burial mounds in North America. It's would be one hell of a cover up. And um It would take a lot of effort to hide all the bones. I can see how many of them would that would disintegrate, but nothing's been found at all since or when or it's always in private. I don't know. I don't see the way, guys. You know, but. been interesting so I like talking to people I like talking to people who are uniquely different and to see things in the world in a very rational way and that is a very conspiratorial way because that's what demons do that's what they do so without Christ that's what you do and uh, I hope whoever listens to this that they get something out of it. I uh, pray that God will bless you and uh, take care.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.